Good morning, everyone, and blessed Pentecost. Everyone's Pentecost um, is a great celebration. It has many markings for us, and one of the things that marks our time uh, in the liturgical Easter season, we're Easter people, so we're going to continue to live as Easter people, but the liturgical cycle ends and ordinary time begins uh, at sunset uh, this evening. Here's our first reading from the Acts of the Apostles to continue an account of the beginnings of the church, its first days and weeks and months and years with its first members. And uh, we hear uh, some of the miraculous things that were being accomplished uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and, uh, and how language was used uh, to bind people together in peace and in love. Um, St. Paul uh, has this way of speaking. He's referring to flesh, but the understanding is not this. He's not talking about this, the body like that. Um, God created all things and said it was good, so our bodies are good. He's talking about the ways of mankind, the ways of humankind. He said, separate yourself from that. And when it came down to it, it would be a choice. And my friends, uh, we see an account uh, in our gospel reading. In our church, we have what we call cycle A, B, and C. And in cycle A, we hear the beginning of the chapter of John, and it talks about Jesus enters into the upper room where his friends are, and they're terrified, and he speaks, peace, peace be with you. And he says, as I send, my Father sent me, I send you. And in year C, we hear about the commandments. Keep my commandments. And then you will be my disciples, and the Father and I will dwell within you. And as we heard from B, we hear about uh, the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Spirit, He, the one of truth, will come to remind us and to help us and to guide us. So we celebrate uh, this, with great joy, the solemnity of Pentecost, which has its roots in the very Old Testament. Uh, but, and I would love to talk to you about it, but if I do, we won't leave until 5 p.m. And uh, my friends, we recognize Pentecost as uh, the revealing of the church to the public, certainly uh, from water and blood flowed from the side of Jesus Christ, and many hold that was the beginning of the church, and rightly so. And so is Pentecost. But remember, the Pentecost is when they came out of that room where they were terrified and ran into the streets and began to testify, and the church was made. And my friends, um, in the upper room was Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is significant that she's in the upper room with them on this day because she is the mother of the church then. And there was 120. For you who read the scriptures, and you should, all of you, <laughs> there was 120, and that number is significant. In the former, in the religion of the Jewish people of their time, in order for something new a new movement, a new group or something. They needed 120 people for it to be ratified. So we hear in the account, there are 120 of them, all in the upper room, no, but close by the followers of Jesus. In my opinion, that's God saying, 
my new church. But trying to get those from the old one to understand. And we're told uh, that uh, with the revealing of the new church, that the Holy Spirit came down with great wind and flame to transform the apostles and to transform the disciples and turn them into great evangelizing people to speak about Jesus Christ, the Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the Son of God, and His ways and His truth and His life and how it will change us. We recognize Pentecost as a time then when the third person of the Holy Trinity was given to the church to form her into one and to make her one and to make her and to keep her holy and to make and to keep her apostolic and to make and to keep her Catholic, small c, universal is how the word is translated. And my friends, this flies in the face of what happened at the Tower of Babel. But I have to leave that for another time. <laughs> Others will be here till two. My friends, in our celebration, we should not overlook other dimensions of Pentecost, particularly in its relation to the work of the Holy Spirit upon us. We can look for the Holy Spirit only in the historical places of history in our church, in the lives of our great prophets, in the lives of popes, and the great moments in the life of our church in miraculous healings. In doing so, sometimes we overlook the daily presence of He, the Spirit, who comes to impact our lives now as it impacted, as He impacted the lives of those first disciples. Each one who is baptized has the Holy Spirit upon them and in confirmation even fuller to be fortified to live a life of courageous Christian witness to testify, as Jesus said, you too will testify just as he will to the world about me. And that fortification uh, by the Holy Spirit helps us to withstand the negative influences that can happen from cultures in our world. The Holy Spirit helps us with wisdom to see past so much of the silliness found in this world. And it keeps us in the great truths of Christ. These are also the works of the Holy Spirit. And it enables us to live a Christian life in this world. We can overlook these things if we limit the presence of the Holy Spirit only to the extraordinary in the events in the life of the church. And then we forget about how the Spirit is here with us now, this day, helping us and guiding us. Last week in my homily, I spoke about some of the different actions of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but we should not forget uh, 
because I was bringing it down to the daily level, but let us not forget the Holy Spirit and the greatness uh, with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we're told the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, hovered over and took what was chaos and formed it into that which was not chaos. The Spirit spoke through the great prophets of God in the Old Testament, always calling people back to God and speaking words of hope and love. Let us also remember with Pentecost the extent of the gift that has been given. Pope Francis, uh, in his homily last night, said the gift of gifts, the greatest gifts, that of the Holy Spirit. And I think what he was getting at was that now the Holy Spirit is not given just to kings and to prophets, but to every Christian. To open your hearts and to breathe in the Spirit. We should try to appreciate the interior gift given by our Lord. With this, no matter what happens in this world, whatever road one finds themselves traveling, that they must be on, that the Holy Spirit is present. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to guide, and the Holy Spirit is present in different ways, especially to help with the moral compass of God's people, you. The Holy Spirit urges us when we are to pray earnestly, and intensely. The Holy Spirit puts upon our heart the desire to forgive and always directs us to the future. The Holy Spirit helps us to extend charity, to unite us, rather than to allow us to be divided to show courage not only in proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but living it. These are the ordinary but very powerful daily gifts of the Spirit. We seriously underestimate the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit if we restrict or only imagine the Holy Spirit's activity to the extraordinary. Today, we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit given to the church, to each Christian. Pentecost is not just about a singular spiritual burst that happened that morning in Jerusalem a long time ago. It is that, absolutely. But it is also about the life of every Christian now, here, in 2021. Within us from baptism and confirmation burns a flame. Even if it is only but a flicker in some, it is still a flame. A gift promised by Jesus as the fulfillment of his pledge, that being the Holy Spirit, to come upon us. And the Holy Spirit shows his power not only in the events in salvation history that are categorized as miraculous, 
but also in the lives of his faithful ones every day. The Holy Spirit is our link, if you will, for lack of a better word, to the Father and to other holy things and other sacred things. And it helps us to discern those things that are holy and sacred as to those that are just nonsense. The Holy Spirit indeed is Christ's gift to the church and to each one of us who are his disciples. And thus the work and grace of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian is to lead the disciple more and more into a life of personal communion with Christ, who is truth. And that truth is that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. This is the faith we profess, and through the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, it binds us together when we witness to Christ in the world this way, and we really need to be that way. The Holy Spirit imparts uh, to the faithful the ability to witness about Christ, the power that changed and transformed the apostles and the disciples is available to each one of us every day. The Holy Spirit can strengthen our minds and our spirits and can warm and purify our hearts that we may give God glory always and everywhere. My friends, in looking at the other two readings, St. Paul tells us to the Galatians, when you read the whole chapter, the Spirit comes and will allow you, if you open your hearts, you will choose differently. You will choose not to do that as wicked, that is, with things that are wicked and to say things that are disparaging and to tear down. He shows in the reading, here is the gifts of the Spirit. This is the, how the disciple is to be. In our first reading, we hear about uh, the language. And what it was is the, when the apostles came out, they had a new language. Uh, not really a new language, it was an old one an ancient one, love, something they needed in their time, something we need in our time, love and hope. And they opened their mouths, and while they spoke Aramaic, the people, all the different people heard differently. They heard in their own tongue. The apostles weren't, they spoke Aramaic. And as the words came out, people could hear and understand in their own native tongues and understand. And it bound them together and united them. So my friends, this year and year and a half with the pandemic, no matter where you are on this, the one thing that it has done, it has called this, caused death and destruction. The world had an opportunity to rise to unite in a great way, and it did not. Yes, some came together, but we had the opportunity and we failed.
last night, my heart was heavy, and I fumbled on my words, and I could not form what I wanted to say. And I pray I have not offended anyone last night. But this pandemic, while it has destroyed bodies, it has begun to destroy communities. It has separated communities, nations, and peoples. It has caused people to speak disparaging about each other and to have war and revenge in their heart. This has settled in on our country. And while I don't demonize everything, I understand Satan has harnessed it to cause the division because that is what sin does. It divides and destroys and separates. That feeling of despair and hopelessness and powerlessness is destructive. It has entered our country, has entered into our politics, has it entered into our cities and our communities, has entered into our church, into our parishes, into our schools. So you and I have to step up as disciples and to live lives of hope and courage and to not despair each other and not to speak despairingly, but to speak words of hope and empowerment and not to be divided. Last night, a teacher from uh, one of the public schools said, I told him, I said, I have failed as your pastor to protect this parish and our school from that sense of hopelessness. And, and I said, I will have to fix it. <laughs> and last night I went home with the struggle and the burn on my heart. And the scriptures from Ephesians, be angry but do not sin. And I was falling into the trap of doing just the opposite. And she said, Father, You may have struggles with the school now because children are lashing out at each other, bullying and being unkind in words. But she said, it is rampant in the public schools. And I wondered, where does it come from? Where are they seeing this and finding it? social media, movies, music, by our own example. I believe the catalyst that is there, what started it was this pandemic has chipped away at people's morality and morale. It has set upon them 
despair and hopelessness. So then the way to combat it is to speak words of hope and peace and to tell our children to live lives of hope and joy and peace and not to treat each other this way. But we must do our part in that also. So I ask for your prayers for our church, for our parishes, for our parish, for our Catholic schools, for all schools, but for ours also. As I try to understand and grapple and see what it is that I need to do. Even if one student feels in despair and hopelessness and lashes out with unkind words, that is one too many. So we must fight this by instilling hope and peace and love and showing this is how we respond. This is the response. I will accept my responsibilities in my failure. But I will rise. I have chosen not to be a victim in this pandemic anymore. To let those feelings come upon us or on me. I pray our parish will get back their sense of authority and not see ourselves victimized by this any longer. To take back control and to move forward with grace and with peace in our hearts. My friends, in the church, her greatest asset and treasures are not her buildings and not her amass of art and land holdings. It is you. You are the greatest assets because you are created in his image. You are created in love. And the divine spark is within you, so you are its greatest assets. You are the treasure. So let us treat each other with that dignity. Let us do that and pray for your priest then as he goes to try and fix things as best I can. Hmm? My friends, um, our annual Catholic appeal, yes. This is not the day I want to talk about it, but here we go. So we're about $60,000 away from the goal set by the Archbishop. So um, if you have not yet pledged, please make your pledge. And let us uh, at least get to our, the goal set by the Archbishop. Now we can move forward <laughs> with other things. Um, and uh, my friends, in the spirit of moving forward, it is time for us to move forward cautiously, with care, and with concern, and with charity always. So in our church now, in our parish here, we will have a section for those who are more comfortable with less restrictions on social distancing, sitting closer together. And we will have uh, an area for those who, um, Father, I'm not quite there yet. I love you then. It's okay. And we will have an area where social distancing will be in place. We will always keep the outside available. I hope this will keep us 
back together again. What I do not think is helpful is to have what a vaccinated section versus an unvaccinated section that is divisive and will only breed disunity and harm. I joked with my staff, and they know, I said, what is next then? The headband with a V on it? Or you have to walk around with your card? That is not helpful. I don't even know if it's moral. But we are one family, and we learn to accommodate each other, so we'll have the side that will not be so restricted anymore and the side which will be. And we will be together as a family and we will not disparage each other about it and instead speak words of hope to each other. To those who are fear, let us speak courage to them. And to those who have great courage, help the others then. But I do ask for your prayers. Um, like I said last night, it was a very rough time for your pastor as he came to the realization of his failure. But of God's greatness and victory. And so together as a community, we move forward and we do so with joy and peace in our hearts. Let us protect our children so they do not fall into that spiral of despair and hopelessness. They are our future. And they need to know that life, as uh, a bishop Fulton would say, life is worth living. And it's filled with joy and peace. Amen?